Merry Christmas and welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, a weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. What are you hoping for in your life? Right now, at the end of 2020, that might be a tough question for you. Maybe your hope is waning in this season. Maybe, maybe it's gone. Today, we're starting a new series called A Simple Christmas. With everything swirling this year, we want to take this emotional and sometimes complicated season and strip it down to something simple. Today, we're going to talk about hope. No matter where you are today, there is hope for the future, and we're going to discover how hope grows. Let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. Here's my question for you this morning. Um, This Christmas, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? What do you hope is under the tree? Who do you hope comes to dinner? And maybe you just desperately hope that it's normal again. I mean, that's just all I want. It's just a normal day, a normal Christmas. You know, we are designed actually to be hopers. We're designed to be hopers. That God has handcrafted humanity and hardwired us to hope. And there's something inside of our soul that craves hope. Hope moves us forward. When we have hope, when it comes inside of us, it like refreshes us. It's like a reservoir of emotional strength. And I think hope often comes in two categories. The first category is that often we hope for something, right? We hope for something. This, this hope is what wakes kids up at 5 a.m. on Christmas morning because <laughs> they hope something is under the tree. I think this is the same hope that wakes adults up at 5 a.m. on Black Friday because I don't know why we go into the store at that time, but we are hoping to get that product and that deal. We hope we get a house. We hope we get a job. We hope we get engaged to that guy. We hope that guy has the job in the house, right? Then it just all (laughs) comes together. Sometimes the things that we hope for are more serious. Um, I hope I can pay the electric bill this month. I hope the medicine takes away the effects of the illness that I'm struggling with. I I hope this gift uh, helps my wife forgive me of the things that I said and things that I did. I hope that this government leader, this political official makes the right choice so that my business doesn't suffer, right? We have hopes, we have things that, that really matter. If they, if they come to pass or not, it really does affect us. Well, the scripture tells us that this kind of hope in something will actually always fail us. It'll always fail us. You may have heard this scripture in Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. It just reminds us that one day, if we hope in something, we will face despair and discouragement. If we trust in a thing, it will rust out, it will fall away, it will fail us. It's because the things of this world cannot hold hope for very long. The things of this world cannot hold hope for very long. So the second category of hope, so there's hope in something, the second category of hope is hope in someone. Hope in someone. Now, that someone we know from the scripture is the God of hope. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the God of hope and he desires to fill us with it and that's why he made you a hoper. Because he has what it takes to satisfy your soul, to get in there and give you the hope that you need. God has made a way so that hope is essential for life. Think about it. Human beings can endure 
the loss of a lot of things. But once they lose hope, everything's gone. Have you ever been close to losing hope? You could have everything in the whole world at your fingertips. But if you don't have hope for the future, you feel like you're dying inside. When hope is gone, life shrivels up and ceases. And when you lose hope, you lose courage and often you give up. I love how Proverbs says it really powerfully in, in Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. Now, the good news is we have someone to hope in. We don't have to go searching very far. Jesus Christ will never let us down or fail us. He died on the cross for our sins with us on his mind. He rose again on the third day, triumphing over death in the grave. He cleared a plan for redemption and forgiveness, and he loves us so strongly and so deeply. Are you thankful for that hope that we have someone who we have to hope for? We don't have to go all of our lives trying to search for that person, that we have someone who we can hope in. And so when hope in something will always leave us craving for more, hope in someone will heal our broken and our sick hearts. Let's just thank God here this morning for that. I'm so thankful. So I want to tell you um, the account of a, a person in the story of Christ's birth as I was reading through that to prepare for the Christmas season there is a man who demonstrates hope in a very profound way. And I want to look at his life today. So after Jesus was 40 days old, his parents brought him to the temple in Jerusalem. Now, you may not have thought much about this part of the story, but this was a law of Moses at the time. So not just Mary and Joseph brought Jesus. Every family that had a child that was 40 days old had to come to the temple to bring them. So they were just doing what the, the culture did, what the society did, what the, what the law was. And the parents were to come and offer an appropriate sacrifice uh, for the firstborn male child. And it was a common sight. So you might have thought, oh, this was just Mary and Joseph because they're really, you know, spiritual. They're bringing Jesus to the temple. But actually, this was a common sight for families that they would come in this tradition and they would bring their firstborn male child. And so I want to pick up in Luke 2 and show you what happens. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, before we look more carefully at this scripture, you know how I love to just go verse by verse and tell you what God's telling us in each thing. Before we look at it, I want to remind you of this, that the story of Christ's birth, including the account of Simeon, is not a fairy tale. It's not a legend. It is not just something that is being told for us to, okay, understand the concept. In fact, Luke, who is writing this, begins his gospel by telling his readers, look, I investigated all of this. I, I, I'll tell you this is true because I interviewed people and I talked to them and I investigated all of this. And this account is factual history, not make-believe. Now, I think this is really important for us to remember. Here's why. Hope, based on a fairy tale, isn't very solid hope. But hope, based on truth, will have the same effect on you as it did on Simeon. The fact that he believed God's word was true 
changed Simeon, and I believe it will change you this morning. So let's look at this scripture in the lens of this actually happened in a temple in Jerusalem, right, 40 days after Jesus was born. This is what's happening. Now, if you know a little bit about history, things weren't going real well for the nation of Israel. Okay, they weren't in a great spot. They hadn't heard from God in many years. They were under Roman rule. They had lost their political independence, and they were living in fear of this very cruel king named Herod. And many were wondering if the Messiah would ever really actually come. But Simeon, that's, that's why he's mentioned in the scripture, Simeon had hung on to hope. Simeon was a man of great hope. And so as I read this part of the, the scripture, I thought to myself, okay, Lord, how do we become people like Simeon? How do we become people of great hope? How do we hang on to the hope that Simeon displayed in the Christmas story? And how can we make sure that hope grows in our lives this Christmas season? I don't know about you, but uh, I'm just like the eternal optimist. The staff always makes fun of me that the glass is always three-quarter cups full for me. But when this COVID happened, I started to say, oh, it'll certainly be done by Mother's Day. I mean, I have a really great plan for Mother's Day, so certainly Mother's Day will be done. May pass. July 4th. I mean, nothing bad happens in the summer. So by July 4th, we'll all be fine. This will all be back to normal. Then school started up again, and I thought, surely when school started up again, everything will be fine. And now it's Christmas, and we're still here, guys. This is still happening. And oftentimes in this Christmas season, and in this COVID season, this 2020 season, I think we have the same moments that maybe the people of Israel did where their hope began to wane. What they thought was going to happen, what they expected to happen, what they believed about God, what we thought was going to happen wasn't happening. And all of a sudden their hope was feeling a little dim. And so my encouragement to us this morning as we look at this life of Simeon is that, listen, Simeon was in a similar boat they hadn't heard from God in 400 years. That means his grandfather and then his great-grandfather and then his great-great-grandfather and his great-great-great-grandfather had never had an experience hearing directly from the Lord. What we saw this morning, Jeeva and PJ and Carol shared, that was not happening. There was silence. And so there was this great anticipation and question of what is happening. God, are you still real? Is all those promises you said, are they going to come to pass? So here's the first thing we notice in verse 25. It says, Simeon was described as righteous and devout. Now, righteousness means that his behavior in the sight of God and towards others was in accordance with God's standards, both in private and in public. That Simeon sought to obey God, not just when he was on the outside, not just when he was teaching his Bible study at church, but all week long in every decision, in every conversation with the people that he met in his home, and everything, every time he went out to the market, that everywhere he went, Simeon sought to obey God. Now, devout is the other word that describes Simeon, and that has this connotation of reverent or careful, that Simeon was careful about his relationship to God. He was not careless when it came to his spiritual life. Now, these qualities don't just happen accidentally, okay? They reflect a deliberate commitment to live in a manner pleasing to God. No one accidentally becomes righteous and devout. You don't wake up one morning and say, oh, here I was. 
or you fall into it. That's not what happens. Righteousness and a devout heart means that Simeon cultivated his walk with God. He worked on it. Simeon had a high view of God and a humble view of himself. So in that time, like I mentioned, the religious leaders, the, the, the pastors, the people that were the religious leaders were largely political and they were not deeply spiritual. And there had been no prophet in Israel for 400 years, like I mentioned. And Israel had been oppressed by one foreign power after another. And so Simeon was having, uh, probably was, was talking with these other people. And the people in the community were saying things like this. Where are these great promises of God that he said for his people? Like, where are they? Because life is hard and it's getting harder. And it's not looking very good. I don't see them. What's happening? Why are these people in political power over us when we feel like they're oppressing us? And, and, and why is, is all of this great, joyful, you know, peace not coming? And they were, they were questioning. It sounds an awful lot like conversations I'm hearing right now. Where's the church? What's happening? What are we wondering? And, and I, I have to tell you, when I started to think about this, Simeon had to make a choice to be righteous and devout. And out of living righteously, out of devoted living, out of believing the promises of God and not the things that were all around him, God grew up hope. God grew up hope. And God grows hope in a righteous and devout heart. That's what we see in this first, uh, this first verse of this passage. And so I want you to just right now, just ask yourself right now, what's one thing I can do this week to align my life into a more righteous and devotion to God. Just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you right now. What's one thing you can do this week to align your life into more righteousness and more devotion to God? Because hope grows in a righteous and devout heart. All right, let's go on to Luke 2.25. It goes on to say this. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. So how does hope grow? Well, Simeon was righteous and devout, but also this verse next um, shows us something that you might not want to hear. Let me, let me just preface it with you. I'm just the messenger, so don't shoot me. But this is what the scripture says. Simeon was waiting. In the first service, someone literally groaned out loud. <laughs> Simeon was waiting. You know, waiting is the hard work of hope. But hope grows in the waiting. Now, nobody likes waiting. Uh, put, you can have the best day on planet Earth, and then you get to Walmart, and you get in a line annoyed instantly, right? I mean, that is just frustrating. You're, the trip is going so well, you're getting the best gas mileage ever, and then stop traffic, immediately frustrating. Nobody likes waiting. Waiting is not what we're built for. You're waiting for a test score. You're waiting for a doctor result. That can give you so much anxiety. Waiting is not in our nature, okay? Nobody likes to wait. Yet the scripture addresses waiting with this whole different lens. In fact, the scripture, get this, often substitute the word wait with the word hope, substitutes the word wait with the word hope as if the words are synonyms. That waiting is actually the same as hoping. 
And hoping is actually the same as waiting. Let me read you some examples from Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord, or those who hope on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord or hope on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord or hope, I say, on the Lord. Waiting is the hard work of hope. So I want to tell you this morning, if you are waiting for God to give you a breakthrough, if you are waiting for God to give you a solution, that is the perfect soil for hope to grow. That is the perfect soil for hope to grow up out of. I love this verse. It says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? This refers to a prophecy given by Isaiah in Isaiah 40, verse 1 and 2. And the prophecy was that God would comfort his people and remove their sins by sending his anointed one, the Messiah. And so what was happening is Simeon was taking this prophecy, this word from Isaiah that was hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and he had picked it up and he said, look, I am waiting. I am hoping. Here it is. I'm keeping this in front of me all the time. And as I wait, every single day as I wait, my hope will grow because I believe this to be true. Now I ask myself this question, how long had Simeon been waiting? Like how long had he been waiting? How long had he been watching? How long had he been hanging on to the promise? And the answer is every single day of his life. Every hour, every minute, all of his days on earth were spent waiting and watching for the promise that God had made. Can you imagine that? I mean, I'm off the rails when Amazon says it's going to be more than 48 hours because of a snow delay. Oh. He's waiting every single day. And I love this promise that Isaiah records because it's the promise of Christmas. It wasn't just a promise for Simeon. No, it was a promise for you. And it was a promise for me. And it was a promise that we too can hang on to, that however dark it feels, however hopeless it feels, it may feel like the season will never end. It may appear like darkness is closing in on all sides, but God has sent a Messiah. And one day in your waiting and one day in your hoping, light will break through the darkness. This is how we remember Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It's so good. So let me remind you, hope grows in the waiting. Don't dread the waiting. If you are in the waiting, don't dread the waiting because that's where hope is growing. That's the soil of your heart where hope can grow. All right, let's look at verse 26. It tells us something really amazing about Simeon's life. It says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so the Holy Spirit leads Simeon into the temple that day. I just love this, this divine leading. So he 
like I said, lots of families came. So it wasn't like he just sat outside the temple and scoped it out. And as soon as a family with a baby came, he's like, oh, there it is. Okay, he didn't know. Lots of families came every single day of the week. And, he, and on that moment, on that day, precisely on that time, when Joseph and Mary came with the baby Jesus, the spirit said to Simeon, go right now. And because Simeon was waiting in hope, he knew when to go. So he walked himself to the temple. And when he walked in, maybe there were other families there with other little boys. But he looked at Jesus and he said, there he is. That little baby is the one. That is who I've been waiting for my whole life. And there's a carpenter and his young wife and there's a baby. And there's no halo over Jesus' head. But the spirit decides to say to Simeon, look, approach that ordinary couple and ask them to hold their baby. (laughs) which I think maybe that was probably a little bit of a bold mood for him, bold move for him. And so he walks over and he says, look, with eyes of hope and faith, and Simeon sees in their arms the light of the world, born to bring hope to all people. And I think this detail of the story reminds us this, that one of the keys to living in hope is to be led by the Holy Spirit. One of the keys to be living in hope is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever asked yourself, um, if God were to withdraw his Holy Spirit from me, would I be any different? Would the people in my house see that I'm different? Would the people at my workplace notice any difference? In fact, if you would not have had the Holy Spirit this week, what would have been different about your life? Because here's the thing, to walk by the Spirit means to consciously depend on him in everything you do. You depend on him to resist temptation. You ask him for insight into his word. You rely on him for the right attitude in the midst of trials. You seek him for wisdom and difficult decisions. And when you live in the power of the Holy Spirit, your life is marked by hope in God. That hope comes when you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, As we looked at Simeon, just to recap, in these few short verses, this is what we learned. Uh, Hope grows in a righteous and devout heart. Hope grows in the waiting. And when you live in the power of the Holy Spirit, your life is marked by hope in God. Okay, so here's the climax of the story. Uh, Simeon, led by the Holy Spirit, comes over to Mary and Joseph. He, He picks up Jesus in his arms, and this is what he prays in Luke 2, 29 through 32. He says, Sovereign Lord... As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Simeon calls Jesus two really important things that we can't miss here. He says, look, Jesus is the salvation for all nations, and he is the light for the whole world. And Simeon's words tell us, that Jesus would not just be the salvation for, for, for just Israel, but also for the Gentiles, and Jesus would bring glory upon the people of Israel. You know, in the common sort of English vernacular that we speak, when we express hope, uh, we kind of express uncertainty. So, like, we say things like, um, I hope we get the best seats in the house. I hope winter isn't too bad. <laughs> I hope my daughter does well in school. We have this sort of uh, wishful optimism. Like, we don't know that's going to happen, but we hope it's going to happen, right? That's kind of how we talk about hope. But here's the thing about biblical hope. It's different. Biblical hope, the kind Simeon expressed, is not just a desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope is a confident expectation for something good in the future. It's a confident expectation. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, but it expects it to happen, and it not only expects it to happen, it's confident it will happen. 
It's this moral certainty that the good that we expect and the good that we desire will be done. So I did a little bit of like research on what the words mean. I always love to, to do that. And in the Old Testament, the word hope, to me, meant something very strange when I first looked at it. It, may, it means to bind together often by twisting. To bind together often by twisting. And it actually refers, the word hope, it refers to the process of making a rope uh, by taking two strands of material and twisting them together. That's what hope means in the Old Testament. And I said to the Lord, okay, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. God, show me what it is that you mean by that, because hope, it means like building a rope. What is that? And this is what the Lord showed me in this, is that hope is in one hand taking all your pain, all your anxiety, all your insecurity, all the things that are not working out so well in one hand. And with the other hand, taking the promises of God, what you know God told you to be true, and twisting them together. And wrapping them up together. And when you do that, hope is born. When you do that, hope is within you. And then it says Ecclesiastes 4.12, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That third strand is our Savior, Jesus Christ, born on Christmas, crucified on Good Friday, and raised on Easter. He is the hope of the world. And when we wrap him up in our lives, we are safe. We are secure. We're full of hope. Hope cannot even come apart from us. Hope will even happen in our pain and in our anxieties and in our frustrations. Hope will be present because we wrap Jesus Christ in and around every single part of our life. You know, when everyone else disappoints us, Jesus never disappoints. Jesus never disappoints. Simeon had trusted God as his salvation before he saw baby Jesus. He, his hope rested in God's promise that God would send a savior. And today, if you have never trusted Jesus as your salvation, I want you to know that you are in spiritual darkness. That's what the scripture says. But there's hope that Jesus has pierced the darkness and he has come to have a relationship with you. And if, if you want to make that decision, it's, it's, it's the most um, simple way and the most powerful thing that you can come into relationship with Jesus. And I want to encourage you uh, at the end of the service to just meet me down here by the prayer banner. I'd love to talk with you more about that, just give you more information and explain to you what it is that Jesus did for us on Christmas. I'm going to end with this. There's a Christmas carol uh, that I've been listening to differently after studying the life of Simeon. These are the words. It says, Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, I thank you for the hope that you give us. I thank you that it isn't a wishful optimism. It is a confident expectation that you will do what you said you would do. And so God, as we learn the promises of scripture and we wrap them around the pain of our lives, God, I pray that hope would grow 
That hope would grow up in us if we're waiting. That hope would grow up, grow up in us as we're led by the Holy Spirit. And we would watch as hope marks our lives. We are so thankful for your son, Jesus. And we're so thankful you sent him to the earth to be born on Christmas so that we could have hope beyond measure. Lord, we love you so much. And it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Hey, have a great day. We'll see you at church next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.